Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on this bonus episode, I am joined by the Gear Brothers, uh, producers uh, and writers, or executive co-producers and writers of the new upcoming horror film slash action film, uh, Retaliators. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. Just got off work, and then well, about an hour ago, uh, <laughs> got done killing bugs. <laughs> well, we got a bug man over here. No, I love it. That's cool. Yeah, man. We uh, thanks for having us on your show. Yeah, when you guys reached out, I was, I was, uh, I was like, uh, I guess. Well, we have different people reach out to us all the time, but when you guys said you're about the movie Retaliators, I was like, didn't I see that trailer somewhere? And I went back and watched, like, oh yeah, that's. I mean, we'll talk about the the film and all that, but what makes I guess this film particularly special for like me, uh, growing up a metalhead and the current one right now, is that there's so many rock stars and musicians in this film and also contributing to the soundtrack. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have like eighteen bands on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's it's kind of a a throwback to um, it's, it's one of the things we 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 really loved about what ended up happening with the film, which is, is that it's, it's very much kind of a throwback to back in the day when, you know, action films or horror films, you know, where the soundtrack was sort of a big piece of it. And, you know, you had the music videos and, and collaborations on songs and it was just sort of a, a, a fun secondary piece to the, to the movie coming out. And, those days are kind of gone, you know, you don't see that too much anymore. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun um, uh, to, to, to have it, you know, have, have us be uh, <laughs> bringing that back to a degree. We love it. Oh, I'm Darren. There we go. And, uh, and uh, I'm Jeff. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Uh, yeah. I was like, cause our listeners are going to be like, uh, okay, who's talking? Um <laughs> But no, um, I, I guess you guys have been listening to our podcast for some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all into the paranormal stuff, so, like sci-fi and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I um caught your episode on uh, Lucifer and the Denver airport not too long ago, and that was cool. That was like last year, the when we did the conspiracy ones. Yeah, yeah, I love conspiracy theories and stuff. I, I you know. I, they're just they fascinate me a lot well that one was especially interesting because the whole uh i mean it's now on like the list of like top conspiracies that are talked about because the the budget that was overused and like the weird art in there and then the giant blue uh horse that's outside with the fire eyes it's just like lucifer yeah Yeah. there's a little little fun fact here too we uh in in the original inception of the script we had a, a character who was talking about uh the denver airport it, well it was our character that we um we we named a character uh captain briggs and it was in tribute to joe bob briggs who you know the horror host and uh uh i don't know where the idea i think it was your idea it was my idea but we made him a conspiracy yeah. theorist uh that you know sort of you know he he sort of talked about different conspiracies and then the denver airport was the yeah. big uh the one he was big on. So we ended up doing a pretty big deep dive. At the, I yeah. think that's where we found the podcast. Um, I, no, I found it later, but yeah, okay. no, that, but what's funny is, yeah, we ended up taking it out though, only because the, it was, we loved the characters so much. And it was like too, there was much. just too much. It was too much. And I was they, like, okay, let's put, we're going to make this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're safe. We saved that dialogue. It's, we're we're going to keep it for a future, future yeah. movie. 
All right. That's, that's going to be cool. Um, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, what, what I guess uh, give a small synopsis of the film. I guess anybody who doesn't know about it yet. It's about uh, a, a pastor who is this, uh, you know, sort of this uh, man of his community, a very uh, well-loved pastor. You know, he's he's a single dad raising two daughters and um he's very much a turn the other cheek guy um and we see that early on in a scene when uh somebody steals uh the christmas tree it's actually dante from clerks brian o'halloran um steals the christmas tree from that they had picked out and we kind of learn that he is this very you know very pacifistic uh man and uh it's what he preaches at his to his congregation and and whatnot. Um, and then one day, twist of fate happens. His daughter is in the wrong place at the wrong time. She is. Uh, it's not really spoiling because you could pretty much gain this from the the trailer. But uh, she is uh, murdered in uh, in cold blood uh, for being at the wrong place at the wrong time. So from there we see now the pastor sort of break down and start wanting revenge. And then he is approached by someone who says uh, they would like to offer a minute alone with uh, his daughter's killer with the one rule being that he can't kill him sort of all hell breaks loose after that. So that's kind of the, kind of the plot in a nutshell. I know when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, this is interesting. It's like, it's not a revenge story, but it's a revenge story with an idea. But yeah, I, I guess what, I guess what makes him all hell breaks loose for him is that the guy that killed his daughter, that he ended up torturing or getting revenge on essentially was connected to a gang and that gang starts coming after him. Basically. That's yeah, that's part of it. And then it, it goes into uh, saving the, the everything we just discussed right there is what is shown in the trailer. There's another left turn that the movie takes in the third act that it's pretty fair to say uh, most people do not see coming and it's pretty shocking. And the third act gets pretty batshit uh, crazy, um, and and it's it's a lot of fun. And there's homages to multiple horror films, and you know, Evil Dead being one of them. But yeah, it's uh, it's at the heart of the movie. It is very much about that moral that moral struggle of what would you do, and it's it's not a preachy movie at all. You know, we don't tell it. You know, we're not really big fans of telegraphing a message of any kind in 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 our writing. Uh, we're really interested in creating sort of a haunted house, uh, a roller coaster going through a haunted house is sort of how we always look at it. You know, uh, but. If along the way, yeah, there's, you know, we can get you thinking and get you sort of arguing about it afterwards. That's sort of the goal. And so it's really, Jeff, you put it a good way the other day. It's, it's not so much what should you do? Should you do? It's what would you do? Yeah. Right. Even, even if you knew what you should do, there are times when, yeah, you know what the right thing to do is, but you might be too tempted to do the wrong thing out of, you know, emotion, you know, being too emotionally attached to something or or whatever and that's that's really what the movie explores is uh, uh somebody being pushed to that limit of uh really wanting to do something bad you no know, really knowing in their heart it's prop maybe you know 
that it might, it probably is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of got that from the trailer, but then again, I'm excited to see the film. So, cool. <laughs> what a better another question that essentially I had I wanted to ask is like, what inspired the story? Did it come from uh, someone you know, a real life experience, or was it like an idea you guys came up with one day? Yeah, there's um, there is a real life family traumatic real life story that this is based on essentially uh years back our younger sister um she was walking home from a party and uh she was very young at the time she was uh i think she was 19 still a teenager mind you this is like an idyllic santa cruz yeah this is idyllic northern california town she was walking home from a friend's but when i say walking home i mean walking on this little stretch of road with beautiful forest around and and there happened to be this little highway stretch where you had this this kind of ravine not highway but near a highway it was sort of near a bridge and anyway she was walking home and out of nowhere um a stranger ran at full speed tackled her down the ravine so they fell you know about 20 feet down this ravine the man went on to very brutally um, uh, attack and rape her, almost killed her, you know, belt around her neck. Um, she came inches uh, uh, from from dying, essentially. Thank- very, very thankfully, she uh, survived. And, and the statistics of surviving that kind of stranger attack uh, of that sort is you know, virtually nil. And she somehow kicked Claude fought climbed out of that ravine survived um that guy was not caught for years about a decade and about a decade later through you know the continuing improvements of dna advancements and all of that um he was caught trying to do this to another uh woman in and this is the uh, the very spooky part of this in the same area he was a taxi driver and this was over 10 years later so the really extra uh you know just very scary thought was god knows how many victims uh had been throughout the years that we don't know about you know um but uh he, he so he was caught uh, then a trial happened, and the uh, the trial ended up taking as trials can as that can happen. It took three four years, long, you know, exhausting process. The happy ending. Uh, there's multiple happy endings to all this. One is he got convicted and put away, and he's basically put away for life. He won't come up for parole until he's a pretty old man. And, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be able to just keep him in there. Um, but he was convicted. And the other piece uh, of, of uh, and, and, and the most really the most important happy ending is our sister uh, went on to become, you know, she, she suffered great amounts of PTSD for, a while, of course, but got through it and uh, ended up joining the uh, fire uh, department. And she's now, uh, years later, she's now one of the few female fire captains in the United States. So she's a captain now and, uh, you know, very 
you know, living her best life and, and, um, and doing very well. So it was along that, the trial period was when, you know, cause it was an excruciating time. And I was talking to my dad at night, this one night and he, you know, having to hear what he had just had to witness and go through in the trial that day. And I just, this idea just flashed in my mind, which was, uh, you know, something like, what if there was an underground service provided to the family members of victims, um, the opportunity for a minute alone with the perpetrator? What if there was a service that provided that? And I wrote that down and then I wrote down the retaliators. It just popped just popped in my head. And what ended up happening was funny enough, you know, I kind of wrote the idea down and kind of stuck it in a drawer. And one day my sister uh, came to us and was saying, you know, she really wanted to get her story out. She's done press, so you can look up her story. Uh, she's done interviews. Uh, there's articles that that uh, that you can find. And she she had just started doing press and she had decided, you know, I really want to be an inspiration to uh, women and girls that, you know, you that it is possible to survive and the PTSD, it's possible to come out the other side and and uh, she was at first talking, hey, do we know what in, in the documentary space? And the we, I, we checked, but we really just didn't know anyone that could do it. And uh, anybody really in the documentary world. And I threw out there one day, hey, we have this movie idea. It's I, I, we can't tell your story because, you know, it, it would just be too much you know, torture to do that because uh, we had been, especially we had been just come off of living through this excruciating trial for years. I said, but you, you are the inspiration, you know, your, your whole situation has inspired this idea and we kind of want to, you know, we'd like to go with it, but you know, it depends on how you feel about it. And she said, I love it. I love it. And she gave us her blessing and said, you know, Please, if it ever gets turned into a movie, just use my name and and get my name out there, my story. So her name is Jody Gear, um, J O D Y, and uh, like I said, you could Google Jody Gear, and her story comes up, and you can you can you can see her case. And uh, so yeah, so it, it it that was the very very beginning of us sort of, and she kind of gave us that blessing, which allowed us to go, okay, let's 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 go for it, and so. It, the movie is not her story, but the Easter eggs are all throughout. You know, it's, it, it, you know, the lead character's name is John, which is, uh, you know, dad's name. And, and you know, there is um, so anything from names all the way to just the idea of, you know, what you go through when you're dealing with a loved one that's been through something like that. And those revenge fantasies that I think any human just has when you're in that uh, space. You know, there, w- one last thing I'll throw in. This was right when we were talking about this at first. The trial came on. Uh, there was a clip that came on TV of the the Olympics coach who had molested all of those uh, those young girls. Can't remember his name. He was a doctor. Sorry, not a coach. He was a doctor. And he had, I mean, it's just horrific. I, I don't even, I, I want to say it was like hundreds of girls, a horrible, horrible story. And they showed a clip on the news. And this was right when kind of finding the, the, the story for the retaliators. 
they showed a clip of one of the fathers. They were sentencing the, the, the doctor. He got convicted. I think he got put away for life and everything. And they were giving the families the opportunity to speak. And so this father stood up and said, your honor, can I please have one minute alone with, um, with what Dr. Blah, blah, blah. And the judge said, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I can't, I can't do that. And he said, okay, I understand. And then jumped over and charged the guy and the guards had to hold him down. And it was this powerful moment. And, and you could sort of feel on the guards that they were like, buddy, I get it, but you can't do this, you know? And, and it was right when we were, so we went, okay, you know, I think there's a story here that we, we could connect to kind of universally, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm sorry to, she had to go through that, but I'm glad it turned out, you know, somewhat of a happy man ending at the end of it. Um, yes. Which, uh, strangely enough, it's, we have, well, me and Megan, not me particularly, but Megan has a similar story. Not, I said similar. Her aunt, um, who uh, passed away uh, before she was even born, but her aunt was murdered and her, sorry, her, her aunt and her, uh, her uncle were murdered by these uh, three, uh, a mother, a father, and a son. Kid, they were kidnapped because they were trying to get robbed because they owned a pawn shop. And this is happening where we live now in Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina. Um, and it was like the first mor- murder that's ever happened in the in the city. And I think it happened in like the early 90s or late 80s. I can't remember when. Wow. Yeah, they kidnapped them, uh, disappeared for, for almost a year, no, almost like four or five months. I think Megan knows exactly oh, how long. Geez. And they end up finding uh, her uncle, I can't remember his name, but her uncle, they found his body later on, but they didn't find uh, her, her Aunt Phyllis, his body until like almost a, a while after that. But they end up catching the whole the family, essentially, and uh, they've been in prison for a while now. But my mother-in-law uh went through the whole ordeal and stuff like that but that around the end of the trial when the the people were convicted is around the time megan was born oh wow yeah and uh i think the 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 aspect of how my mother-in-law said how she got through that because phyllis was her older sister and she was like a big it was a big impact on her stuff like that when megan was when megan i know it's like when that not going down the best road right here, but uh, when Megan was born, uh, I think oh, this conversation I had with uh, her mother-in-law a while ago, I said Megan was the the light that got her through the darkness when she was born and stuff like that. Um, wow, wow! Yeah. And but when you guys are talking about that whole story, I was like, that yeah, because that's what Megan's family has been through essentially. Um, well, it's 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 interesting, Isaac, because it's yeah, there, you know what? My I never even had this thought out loud until of all people, Jody uh, herself, our sister, saw the film. So she saw it for the first time when it premiered at um, Scream Fest. Um, this, this really, you know, this big horror festival in, in, in LA at the, it was at the Hollywood Chinese theater and she came down and we were really nervous. It was the first time she was watching it and we weren't really sure how she was going to take it. Cause you know, it's a, also a pretty brutal movie and the third act is really in many ways, kind of a cathartic it's a cathartic third act. It's kind of over the top cartoonish and 
the bad guys definitely get their comeuppance in some pretty extreme ways. So it's, it's, uh, but I just didn't know how she was going to take the whole thing. And she loved the movie and she was just going on and on. And she was really moved by the movie, which was a real, you know, she, she, she was crying multiple times. And throughout the movie, I was going, Oh no, I hope we're not, this isn't upsetting her and, and, you know, traumatizing her in any way. And it was the opposite. She came to us and kind of now speaking to you were talking about your mother-in-law, what Jody said was she goes, you know, what I had never thought about was the perspective of my family. I, this movie shows the perspective of the family of, of sort of um, that, that, you know, you don't necessarily, that's not usually where the uh, people like your mother-in-law, it's not really where the spotlight is. It's usually on, of course, the victims, which is under super, very understandable. And then of course you're dealing with the perpetrators um, and they obviously, and very unfortunately, usually get a lot of attention and a lot of, and, and, and the understandable pieces, of course, the what makes people do that and why, you know, cause I mean, listen, I'm fascinated with that stuff too. And, um, but it is the family that the, the hell that is going through a trial uh, being the rocks for people. And in my case, it was like the rocks of the rock. You know, I was trying to be there for my dad. Uh, and, and it was very hard, you know, uh, but you know, I, I don't ever, never sat on that and went, Oh, poor me because, and, and Jeff, the same way, I'm sure just because, you know, when your, your family is the victim, you're, you're so caught in like, well, they had to go through the, that's hell, right. you know, that's actual torment. Um, but, but, but I think yeah, it was, I think it was through seeing another family member struggling through it as hardly as they were that really, Gosh, man, not only is it the, the, just the reverberations of violent crime is, you know. Yeah, a lot it, of, you know, a lot of ripples. That, lot of ripples yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And, and and also not trying, you know, we didn't want to tell Jody's story directly. So where we started picking on was looking at the, you know, the sort of uh, the reactions of the family members and what they might do to try to cope with it. You know, this, you know, and you see that. Yeah. And it was great too. That night at that screening, Jody told us, told us that a lot of people walked up to her. She was inundated. Right. Um, it was a big sold out crowd and red carpet and all that and all the rock stuff. fun night. But what was crazy was this, uh, you know, we got on stage and told her story. She came out, we introduced her and uh, it was a really beautiful moment. And what was amazing was then the rest of the night throughout the red carpet and the after party, she was inundated with people coming up to her, telling her about their survival story and or their family that went through this. And it was a very, you know, it was it was ultimately a very uh, just a cathartic experience and kind of like what you said at the beginning, you know this when something like this happens it, it's so ugly and so horrible to be able to still find a way to channel it into a positive um creative expression you know right. to a film and to to it's you know well yeah we're, i mean really when you think about it it's uh the, the the tricky part i just almost to rephrase what you were saying about our our you know apprehension at jody's reaction to it was that you know, I think the temptation for anybody that has a family member that goes through a traumatic experience like that 
you want to make something that sort of just tonally matches that horror but we made something that had you know yeah it has some of that but it's also a fun ride right you know what i mean it's also a piece of you know i think entertaining exploitation cinema well that was the that was our point to her that was the only way we could do it you know we couldn't just live in this trauma bleak right that's just not uh, you know uh, a we wouldn't make good documentarians because we're way too close to the subject matter so it would have been beyond skewed uh which doesn't make a great documentary um right and we kind of felt the same way about the story. It's like we needed to kind of remove ourselves a little bit so that we could, you know, have it be this sort of cathartic expression with having, you know, being able to get loose with it and have it be not just a dirge to get through, but actually to have it be, we wanted laughs, you know, we wanted that third act to be, and there are, there's laughs, there's like, cause there, there's some extreme stuff going on and it, there's right. kind of an absurdity to it. And that's what the risk was. And we, yeah, we didn't know is Jody going to understand this? Was she going to be offended or be, but she just, I mean, it was the, like I said, it was the opposite. So it was really great. Well, one question, I guess the main one I always wanted to ask is that how, I don't know if you guys were, had any part in it or maybe you knew why, but how did you guys get so many musicians in the film, but also to do the soundtrack as well? Before you say that, yeah. uh, let me go off the yeah. list of who is on this album, by the way, for the movie. Yeah, uh, you got Papa Roach. You got the Retaliators. You got the Who. You got Eva Under Fire. You got From Ashes to New. You got Ask Alexandra with Within Temptation. Uh, you got Tommy Lee. You got Class mm-hmm. Act and Molly Crew. You got Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. Nothing More. Crossbone Scully. Bad Wolves and Einstein yeah. Kills, which I'm a big fan of them. Um yeah, and uh, was it Kyle Dixon, Michael Steen, uh, what's Michael Steen, yeah. Corey Marks, the Stranger uh, Things composers? Yeah. yeah, he's got like a lot of like like these are well known musicians. These guys aren't like you know like uh, they're, yeah. not, they're playing like vocal bands. These guys are like you know playing arenas touring the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely didn't call them up ourselves and uh, ask him. <laughs> although, as much as you know, um, no, I, I mean, really, the way that we got the bands, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a long journey, you know. But, but on the other hand, you know, in the DNA of the script, you know, was this sort of real metal spirit to it. And, um, you know, when we were getting early coverage on the script from, you know, professional script readers and stuff, they were, you know, they were saying this is like metal as fuck. It's, you know, the third act is like the birth of metal and stuff. So we knew it was baked into the cake, uh, but how it was going to be made, you know, it was anyone's guess. But very early on, we got the script to Michael Lombardi, who's the lead in the film and a producer on it and also did some additional directing in the film, some of the key scenes of the film as well. Uh, he had the foresight to get the script to, you know, when we first gave it to him, he he just totally flipped out and was like, I, you know, I got to be Bishop, you know, and we were like, yes, no, that would be amazing. And uh, he was like, the first person he wanted to give it to was uh, Alan Kovac of Better uh, Better Noise Music, uh, who manages a lot of these bands, you know. Um, and Alan, and- had ju- Alan had just produced The Dirt, right, uh, right. the Motley Crue biopic, yeah. uh, biopic that was uh, did really well on, on Netflix. So he had just gotten a taste of getting into film. Right. So, yeah. So when he gave him the script, it really was Alan's vision of going, well, wait a minute. 
because there's there's a lot of underworld characters in the film. There's yeah. a lot of bad guys and villains and uh, in in multiple ways um, because the, you know the, as the onion is peeled throughout this movie, it's sort of you get kind of you kind of yeah, yeah, you kind of dis- uh, you, uh, you, you know. send deeper deeper into pretty hellish territory with a lot of characters. So he was able to see. Well, wait a minute. If we cast the right parts, you know, the bands could have some of these parts, and you know, which makes you nervous. Admittedly, it makes you nervous at first. Yeah, you're going like, oh no, like what if these guys can't act, or or what if get smashed into these roles that don't make sense for them, even if they can't act. And and also, we didn't want it. uh, um, We didn't want it to feel like a vanity a vanity project. And so what we're just so proud of is, is um, you know, we went through a lot of time and attention to make sure that the right artists were in the right roles. And yeah. then Michael uh, Lombardi, who's just, you know, unbelievable actor, um, spent a lot of time with them uh, going over their characters and yeah. breaking down the acting process and, you know, yeah. Jeff, Jeff and I spent time uh, talking with, with these guys too. And oh, yeah, we, I remember developing, you know, backstories for the characters that, you know, yeah. Like, and we, we, we worked on backstories and gave that we wrote out, you know, entire backstories that never made the film that would sort of, they could use. And, and so what was so crazy was these guys showed up and absolutely killed it. And, oh, yeah. and I mean, really went all in. No rock star. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you yeah. this right now. It's going to blow your mind when you see it. I, I really do believe that. Because it blew my mind when yeah. I saw it. And I, I, was, I was, you know, obviously you want your film. I was also very like, okay, I got to be honest with myself. And if this doesn't feel like it's working, then. It's not know, working. It is. But I'm telling you, man, uh, uh, Jacoby Shaddix puts in a stellar performance very creepy. very creepy he's so good in it so and good and then ivan moody ivan yeah five finger like yeah i mean it really uh, they they just and then some of the kills, you know, yeah and spencer uh, charnas from ice nine he's kills got, he's got a small role but it's it's really effective and awesome and yeah he's yeah. he's great and it was a really great role yeah it's uh wish it was bigger and we, but and we have a we have a fun little tommy lee yeah and then and some of the cameos yeah. some of the cameos are just sort of blink and you miss it and sort of yeah but it's what served you know tommy lee's a dj in a strip club and it's a funny little moment but it's not <laughs> you know we, we the, everything was about serving the film and that was always the focus and that's yeah. what you know very luckily that's what alan that's what michael that's what uh, we were just very focused on so it just yeah it was just this amazing experience and and they were just the sweetest guys everybody was cool um yeah. they've been so supportive of the film and all over social media and wearing the t-shirts and it's just been just been crazy <laughs> and and yeah yeah such a cool piece of of the whole thing with the film and it and the soundtrack's just awesome it's a yeah. great soundtrack yeah i, I appreciate it a lot because i when i saw the the, all the bands that were on this the, the soundtrack and then also involved and i was like yeah finally like because i've always been a metal fan since i was a kid and of course i, I became a metal yeah. musician for about 10 years and i played shows and stuff like that and i was always oh, nice are you a guitar player or guitar uh, or bass or drums i was i'm just gonna name every other <laughs> <I'm just> gonna... <laughs> no i'm a... the saxophone player <laughs> in a metal band no <laughs> Uh, I played I, well. I played bass for about thirteen years. I had a five string Schecter Stilettos. I think the last bass I played. 
Um, I recorded. <laughs> oh, wow. I recorded an EP with a band called Aurorian, uh, which is a, a deathcore band. Uh, kind of wow. the. I don't know if you guys listen to death metal, deathcore or not, but uh, the band Whitechapel. I got a good friend who does. <laughs> it fills me with a lot. Of, it fills me with a lot of anxiety, but I can appreciate it. <laughs> our, well, our is that bro- the, is that we have a brother. The- we have a brother oh. in a tech death band. Yeah, we do. It's called but- Son of Aurelius. Now, our, our brother. Let me ask you this: yeah. Is this the kind of death metal where? it's hard to read what the logo is. No. You know I mean, it's like so wet. Okay. It's not that. Okay. No, believe me. I was extremely adamant about when I, we decided to design our logo. I said, it has to be legible and it has to be. <laughs> <a nickname." laughs> yeah. Because yeah, every, we- every time I would go to a show or play a venue or something like that, there'd be like all the bands, like their stickers on the walls or like on the doors yeah. or something. And some of them you could not read. And I was like, how is a band supposed to get known if the person walking by can't read it? Like it needs to be a, needs to be a bright logo and, or not bright, but it needs to be a extremely legible yeah. logo when you see yeah. it. Oh, there yeah. it is. Bam. I won't yeah. miss it again. And that's one thing I was arguing with my band about at the time. Like it has to be legible. Cause the first design just looked like branches in a tree. Like it needed. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the ones, dude. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it needs to be legible. Like I, when you see it, bam, you can read it what it is. But yeah. There, and there, I'm, a li- I'm a lifelong uh, metalhead uh, myself too, by the way. Um, lifelong metalhead. And then our and then brother, our brother, yeah. our, our brother, Carrie, I was saying he is the guitar player for, a, uh, I think they're called, the genre is tech death. I think it's if I'm getting death, it right, yeah. it's got like a it's, dream, it's, dream theater. It's got well, it's got a very a proggy. I mean, the the very like you know interesting time signatures and kind of crazy uh, uh, you know um, structure to the songs, but yeah. yet it's got like a death thing. And yeah, he's a f- unbelievable guitar player, carry gear, uh, and yeah, uh, it's definitely anxiety attack metal to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, Jeff's thing, but. <laughs> Uh, I like some metal, but yeah. I like like scorpions and uh, you know it's about as metal as I get. Anyway. <laughs> you're, going, you're going back, you're going way back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, every band on our soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I was yeah. That's when I I always liked movies that involved more metal in it because I always like ah. said to myself that like, metal should be more mainstream um with a lot of things and granted like stranger things put metallica not on the map but it did bring them to a new generation oh yeah younger people that yeah. never like who like oh that's the stuff my dad listens to you know stuff like that <laughs> I know, right? um, but when i saw that the, the the whole the the list of artists i was like yeah finally you know it always reminded me of like um uh, queen of the dand how they did their soundtrack was just all different rockers on it and stuff like that yeah all like the metal artists like that, that level of like okay soundtracks for horror movies should be metal because metal and horror go together hand yeah, in hand um, they do yeah they do uh, peanut, peanut, uh, peanut butter and chocolate as darren likes to say yeah i agree yeah it's a it, there's just so many good examples um and it, yeah it is just such a lost you know again that's it feels great to uh it's a lost aesthetic yeah i you know it, so it felt nice to kind of be a part of that lineage yeah there's not a lot of it around these yeah. days you know but i was uh because spencer chamberlain with ice not kills the last album that came out was all horror movie themed songs which yeah. they did the previous album before that which i think i liked a lot when they started doing that which i thought when him in a horror film i was like that that fits because the last album that oh, him yeah. and his band did was you know uh, a horror horror themed album so him in a horror film was like oh yeah that 
that that's going to be yeah, exciting. And, and, yeah, and, so and I, and this I got to see, this won't be his only one. Yeah. I can guarantee yeah. Well, and yeah. I got to say about Spencer too. Uh, Spencer's awesome. And he, what we, we, uh, we loved him right away. Cause we did a, um, we did a, I think we did some kind of podcast with him or some yeah. kind of interview and he's the real deal, real deal horror head. You know, we ended up talking, um, you know, we, we, we've got this room of you know, VHS and classic horror. Yeah. And we were talking, uh, he won me over when he, he started talking silent night, deadly night. Right. And, and then I pulled out the VHS, the VHS box and he was like, Holy shit, you have the original box. I'm like, yeah, man, I, we collect that. Yeah. And, uh, so we were geeking out. And so he, yeah, he's a real deal horror fan and obvious, just a super talented guy. Um, yeah, we're, we're uh in our new script we're actually we we're we uh are writing a character that ideally would i think he would be really great for he's got a great screen presence yeah oh i remember listening to them back in old 2010 i think i remember back to when i first heard them <laughs> today. Um, <What> was that? <laughs> uh well yeah i, I was i was because i was been a fan of them for almost yeah i say 12 years now um wow. and yeah. when i first ever heard them about 2010 that's when the scene when the scene metal stuff was breaking breaking through and stuff like that but uh it's funny yeah. enough in their when their song i think my favorite song uh hip to be squared um which is like i guess that based on psycho uh or american psycho uh they have that part yeah. where it goes into like do you like ice on kills not really right like, their music is a little too seen for me right that whole that that thing was like it's perfect because how they <laughs> described how when they started to where they are now, it was just like, yeah, that's because they finally found their groove. They finally found what is them, like their particular sound, like their their stick, you would say. Um, yeah. So I, I well, and it's so cool. That. It's so cool. It's one of those things where you go, you can't believe no one hasn't done it before. And what I love is Spencer just fuck, man, like just went all in. And it's yeah. it, uh, you know, metal and horror. You know, the reason I've always looked at them as as um peanut butter and chocolate the, yeah the peanut butter and chocolate is <laughs> what i love what, both of them are very similar in that and this is what i love as as a lifelong metalhead and a lifelong horror fan what i love is that they their oxygen they live breathe die all of the films all of the genres all of the kind of waves all underground it yeah, all it's not mainstream love for it no now now horrors having a mainstream ish moment you know with right. the kind of top 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 horror you know and certainly it's been having a mainstream moment but the point is is that whenever horror was in fashion or not in fashion because metals had its mainstream moments you know when when metallica sure had the black album uh in you know don't, don't sleep on load bro yeah well but but i'm saying in 92 you know uh 90 90 to 92 metal yeah. was at a well and really a good good chunk of the late 80s too uh obviously with all the sunset strip and you know and then guns and roses and all oh, of yeah. that yeah yeah but the point is no matter what waves up and down in the mainstream horror and metal have had the underground passion of the fans the underground um loyalty of the fans and love of the bands and love yeah. of the films never goes anywhere and it doesn't care it doesn't depend on 
any of the oxygen from sort of you know they're, they're the pop of, culture yeah they're kind of populist genres uh other respective genres you know it's like they might not get it's all peoples. the critical love but it's the people's art you that, know, well that's the way, well know? that's the other bedfellow uh you know commonality is that uh, you just nailed it jeff critics always shit on metal music there's just endless examples of that you know very famously black sabbath's debut record was panned by rolling stone and there's just endless amount of examples and then we all know horror again a lot more grace these days and right now but over yeah depending on who directs it depending on yeah yeah things like that but by and large, horror films are completely looked down upon as secondary and, you know, uh, the the elitist sort of... Um, it's pornographic. Yeah, you know, it's always <laughs> just had a, had a, had a negative rap. It's just so. for thrills. It's, it's, it's dumb fun, son. You know? <laughs> I don't know what that voice is. No, right I, don't, I don't know who that was. Some uh, grumpy old man. Yeah. It was a grumpy old man, right? Yeah. I'd give up that one. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's horror and metal to me are just very, just very, very similar. Speaking of which, what is your favorite horror film or if, of all time, if you have one? Mm, you want to go first? Oh, gosh. I got mine. Um, well, I'll, it's so hard to pick one, but like gun to my head, I got to pick one. Um, I'm going to have to go The Exorcist. Um, that movie just, it does not matter how much older I get, how many times I see it, it fucks with me, man. The night I go home from seeing that every Halloween, when I go see it every year, I'm, I get a little weird when I'm going to bed. Like, is my bed going to like start shaking? <laughs> or, or like, maybe I should close my bathroom door so I can't see the mirror. Just like, you know, yeah. I, I allow myself one night of like, you know, being overly superstitious after seeing it you know what i mean um yeah that movie freaks me the fuck out man and it's just as a piece of art and the it's beautiful Incredible. and also the story behind it when you when you read how nuts william freakin was in making that film oh, you know the incredible. famous towards the end when the, the the priest is on the ground and dying and then uh he wasn't getting the priest who was trying to console him on the ground wasn't giving enough emotion so william freaking slapped him right you know what i mean that said roll it (laughs) you know just shit like that i mean so yeah that's mine my my all time is um it's uh you know it's not uh typically considered like the greatest film of all time to me it is. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, admittedly, it's very hard for me to separate the nostalgia from uh, actually how amazing it is. But for me, it's The Lost Boys. Uh, I can just I can watch The Lost Boys over and over and over. Uh, I just love the I love the makeup. I you know I, I love vampires. Um, yeah, I love the singular tone that film has. There's no oh, other else. film that not, no film where you can say there's there's it, it it's got that pure 80s it's fun it's almost got like a goonies feel but then it's glossy but kind of grimy it, kind of grimy and then it gets and then it gets nice and gory and yeah. you know and then it's it's you know there are laugh out loud funny moments and and it's just and it's just there's a style to it that's just so awesome it's obviously super dated but it's so 
Uh, I don't know. I just, for me, I can just, I don't know what it is. I can just watch it over and over and over. The datedness, I feel like, adds to the charm. Yeah. But I also thought I knew you because I, if I would guess what Darren would say, I mean, I should have said Lost Boys if I was to guess, but I would have also thought Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, it is would that, be is the second. That would be the proper answer to give. Uh, I would sound smarter at a dinner party. <laughs> um, and it is, well, because I always say, John Carpenter is the master period. Yeah. You know, he's the man, his run, his first, I mean, I could kind of tie up basically assault on precinct 13 all the way through. They live, you know, I mean, yeah. I, but what, what makes Halloween very, very special. And, and I'm always surprised more people don't point this out, but I mean, I, I dare you to prove me wrong on it. The first Halloween 78 Halloween there is virtually not one second of of screen time where there isn't tension being built because of either the music yeah or um, michael myers everyone in the scene and some movie that just and i think there is like i've seen it so many times there is a few seconds where there's not but it's that's it. There's only a few seconds. It's not like a normal where where sort of everything's safe. Right. You know, it's a sort of take your breath moments in movies. Right, there is right. no taking your breath. Uh, it's it's relentless from the second the 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 the, the you know right. the POV shot starts in the beginning. So yeah, I think that's probably the best horror film ever made. But no. I, I'd say Lost Boys is my favorite. Now Isaac. What is yours? I'm not going to try to guess yours because I couldn't even guess my own brother's. But what would you say your uh, your favorite horror film of all time is? Oh, I was going to say before I give you that answer, um, I was going to say Megan would going to be very happy when she go back and listen to this about what you say about Lost Boys because Lost Boys is her favorite. Um, oh. All right, Megan is Megan's my favorite now. <laughs> Sorry, uh, anybody that loves that movie, yeah. number one, that's a that's an instant sister. Because we, I remember one time we we one of our conversations we would have at night, we talked about if they remade it, uh, like who would they put in and stuff like that. And I talked about, well, if they remade it, they should change what band is playing on the pier when, uh, <laughs> when, when he meets, when he meets, uh, oh. when he a girl, I can't, oh, I just forgot her name. Can't change that. Yeah. No, star. Yeah, star. star. When he first meets star and stuff like that, just cause when I watched it for the first time with her, I was like, why in this, they're punk rock vampires. They have a very goth punk look and feel to yeah. them. Fact, yeah. He's punk rock. He almost looks like uh what's his face from the doors when they, they first show him and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Uh and then I was just like, then they have this weird funk band with this extremely buff, oiled up dude playing the saxophone on a pier. I, I was like, it felt out of place. It felt like this should be should have been like some kind of like goth rock band playing or something in the essence because we talked about if they remade it the band that should be playing on the pier that night should be motionless and white <laughs> if they remade it right they could have Christmas yes. yes. white playing and have it be in a metal show where that makes more sense because I thought if they had to redo it again they should go further into the whole goth metal punk thing for everyone right so, so like everyone I, involved I, I, <laughs> Isaac, I'm going to make the argument that because the song is called I Still Believe. Um, and I'm going to argue that I Still Believe should still be the song. And we and I say we up. we bring the guy back because 
guy, <laughs> we bring the guy well, back. let me tell you. Let me tell you something. He <laughs> is he still he, doing it? Listen to me. Is he still doing listen it? Listen to me. He still tours. <laughs> he, he wears the cod piece. He's now, I think, in his sixties. He's either late fifties or sixties. He still tours. He does the songs from the Lost Boys, and then he has a dance routine that he does with the crowd oh, that dude. mimics what Star does while she's watching. And he teaches the crowd how to do it. Yes, I've, he still plays the sax. He's still swinging the hips. Yes, th- <laughs> listen, that's part of the thing of Lost Boys. Is you're right. It doesn't. There's an absurdity to there's it. A, there is the but and there's kind there's of small absurdities. Yeah, there's things kind of throughout that do kind of stick out and and that is one of them it may yeah. it doesn't make sense but that's kind of it's kind of why it's so great because you're just like what the fuck and then everyone in the crowd like you said it's this punk goth vampire you know and there's fires and cans yeah, and yeah. people banging their head and then you just have this guy who literally looks like a wrestler yeah. with long hair and the sacks i it just I gotta, yeah well i gotta say back in that just a little bit i think a way to put it is there's not almost nothing better to me, like aesthetically, than absurdities that work. You don't know why it works, but it works. Okay. And, and you know what? I can, and here's what I'll give you guys if it's the first time I've seen it, I could imagine <laughs> it would be a shocker. That's for sure. Cause see, I grew right. up with the movie, so I'm right, so right. used to it. And I laugh every time. I mean, when I show it to somebody and it's their first time, I mean, I'm dying when that part comes on. Yeah. So I am aware of how ridiculous it is, but I don't know. At this point, it's now just part of the lore. You know, the guy, I love that the guy's touring and embracing it and still swiveling the hips and doing the whole thing. I I, I got mad, uh, mad love for him. No. Well, I never watched it for her the first time. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I was just, no, it's not the, made the 80s, all right? It's just, it was made in the 80s. That's all she gave me. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. true. But no, uh, my favorite horror film uh, series, uh, it's been since I first saw it, is uh, the Saw series. Oh, oh good pick, man. Well, that was a big influence on us, too, uh, early on. Yeah, um, still today. But, yeah, those yeah, those are incredible. Dude, Just, so uh, good. The concept, the idea, the villain, how he doesn't actually kill anybody. He puts them mm-hmm. in the situation to make their own decisions. Uh, I was just like, this is so original. And I remember watching the first, the first one. Uh, with my friends and uh, when we watched, you know, the big twist at the end, we were just like, holy crap! Right, you didn't even see that coming. And then, granted, I I enjoyed every single one because when they create up new contraptions and new traps and new ways of killing somebody, essentially, or at least put him in, in a predicament to help you know get them out. <laughs> uh yeah. i was always like watching it because i remember one of the funny thing is i remember i was watching i think it's the fourth or fifth one i can't remember uh but there was an opening scene when the guy had his hands in the crushers and the, the giant pendulum uh big blade was coming down ever so closer to his guts and i was i think i just got off work because i was working overnight and i was watching <laughs> it and i was eating uh pizza at my dad's place <laughs> and he walks in right we're right at the scene where he's being cut up apart and i'm there eating and he goes Equal, how are you watching this with the guy getting his guts everywhere and stuff like that? And I was like, Dad, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. Well, this, the, you know what? I, I love the Saw movie. You know, the, the perfect example right there, Isaac, of critics hate the Saw movies. Right. And, you know, I'm sure you're probably, it sounds like you're the same way. And Jeff, I know you're the same way. I could watch, I could 
put on a saw any day of the week. I can oh, just pick, I could go through any of them, even if it's, there's something about even the ones I don't like as much as the others. I can, it's still so watchable. Yeah. And just, there's something so captivating about that idea. You know, uh, I, I, I very, I, I always say of American horror, I would say Hostel and Saw are the two, I think, best of the modern. Like most important ones. Of, of the modern, the, modern, yeah. the post, post-80s and, and post-70s, post-80s. Uh, I'll sneak Conjuring in there. just because Conjuring, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Conjuring, conjuring yeah. of course, is, is a, is a, uh, is a masterpiece, of course. Um, but yeah, there's they're just something about Saw. Yeah, saw and, and and I think Saw and so Hostel crazy, came out yeah. like within a year or two of each other, and yeah, both so. of those movies just what amazing films! But yeah. I think the movie that's not so scared me the most, but I think freaked me out the most, besides Paranormal Activity when I first saw that, but the one that scared freaked me out the most was Quarantine. Um, not because of the plot of the story, nothing to do with the movie altogether whatsoever. It was a situation yeah. is that uh. I used to work overnight uh, at a grocery store. So I would be the night stalker essentially just over oh, like my, my hours would be 10 PM to 6 AM. So I was always a night out. So I would always watch the last showing of any movie at my local theater in San Antonio, Texas. And like the 11 o'clock or like, like 1130, I would always stay late and watch the last one. Cause that's like right when I wake up, it's like morning time to me. And uh, I think quarantine I watched and it was a, a, maybe 10 people in there watching it with me. And then I stayed after the credits because it was around the time that you know seeing up the credits there's always something after you gotta see after just to see what's after the credits and stuff like that and nothing out of the credits i was the last one in the theater i was like oh whatever and granted you remember you've seen quarantine right yeah 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 it's I, the, that's I the remake of rec right yes of record yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh was... when i was leaving you the theater... yeah, it's not a while back it's good <laughs> it essentially uh, uh zombies but like on like steroids and there's like it's not it's not zombie s it's more rabies esque and it's just like it's a it's people are trapped in a in a in an apartment building and the virus spreads and amongst it's found them. Footage. Oh. It's found footage, right? It's, yeah, it's found footage I'm shot. Ask yeah. you a little of Twenty Eight Days Later, which is another film I absolutely love. Are you a fan of uh, that one? Twenty Eight Days Later. Yes, and Twenty Eight Weeks Later, and then the, I forgot if it was a third one or not. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking of those like the rabies type zombies that are just crazed and right. fast. It's like Cronen- Cronenberg. Yeah, That's yeah. how rabid. Yeah, it's right, like right. rabid. Yeah. But when I was leaving the theater, when I was going out, going through the hall, going out to get to my car, there was no one in the theater. Not one Dude. person. No staff. No other people. Not what? in the bathroom. No one was anywhere. Right. And I was getting freaked oh. out. Like just after watching that movie, now there's no one in here. Like there's <laughs> no one behind the counter. When I was walking. Yeah, it, 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 it's a liminal space. Yeah, no yeah. one in the parking lot, mind you. I was the only car in the parking lot. I, I, well, one of few. But when I was walking out the door, like no one at the the counter, no one walking out, no one waiting for me to leave so they can clean up. Nobody. And I was just like, I was just waiting for you know somebody like freaking rabies zombie to run around the corner at me. Uh, but when I was leaving there, yeah, that that oh, was like I was like I remember telling Megan oh, that when we were first dating, she was, oh my god, that would freak me out. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty freaky. That sounds like a good beginning of a horror film. Well, actually, I, it sounds I, you nice. know, it kind of reminds me of you too. So, okay, so the last time I went and saw The Exorcist in the theater for Halloween, I was with my girlfriend, and uh, the drive home after it was kind of far away, and it was super densely foggy, like 
I mean, the densest fog ever. And we, we were kind of quiet in the car talking a little bit. And there was like a little lull there. And then all the fucking sudden, the exorcist music comes on in the car, like super loud, like, did it. And I was like, oh, and I totally jumped because it was in the fucking fog. <laughs> why? Dude. Why did the she put it on, dude? To fuck with to you? fuck with me. Oh, I was like, my I, was like I almost ran this car off the road, dude. Yeah, I was blocked by shit. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry. Okay, here's Sorry. I don't know why I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell this story. <laughs> I, I gotta tell this because it's reminding me, uh you're reminding me of it. This is a real life real life horror story moment. So there's something that I still haven't forgiven my wife oh, for. This, this is great. I love this. So Je- Jeff and I, so my wife and I happened to be in uh, just on a little getaway vacation in the desert and we're driving home through the desert. So we're in that classic, there are no cars around. It's very hills have eyes, very, you know, uh, you know, there's just nothing around that kind of deserted feel <laughs> for, for miles. And, uh, and then I needed gas. So it was, it was a desolate area. Area, and so I literally was like, you know, shit. I'm trying to find a gas station. Finally, find a gas station. So it's one of these gnarly, like, you know, the gas stations in the middle of nowhere. It looks very, you know, kind of dilapidated. It was very windy, super high gust winds. No one else there, and nothing around it. You know, we're kind of again, we're just in this big kind of desert. So. <clears throat> What my mind was extra, it's kind of like you at, at, at watching uh, Quarantine, Isaac. So, oh, and you, and same with you. It's all, yeah. it's all, it's, yeah. this, it gets this, under your skin. This is like, all in horror, gets under your skin. It off, you know? So, I was in the car before going to the gas station on the phone with Jeff, and we were out a horror script. And one of our favorite subgenres happens to be the whole lost, you know, in the middle of nowhere, the hills have eyes. Yeah. Wolf Creek, uh, the, the Hitcher, Breakdown, like that. We love that subgenre, dual Spielberg. Right, right. And so um, we were coming up with an idea because someone actually at the time wanted us to write that kind of genre for them. So we were meeting with him and sort of discussing ideas. So, you know, we're doing, okay, what if it's a truck stop? And then it's the, you know, and somebody's kidnapping and their bodies in the back of a this and... So we're sort of just going through this whole thing. Then we pull up to this gas station. So my wife uh, decides in that moment to play a prank on me, which now what's funny about this is that my wife's never played a prank on me ever. <laughs> we, we're, we've been married for 14 years and she has never yeah. played a prank. Not a, not even a small prank. Now I'm a prankster. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, I'm, I am like, I always prank people. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff, you're, you know, we... Well, we... My, well in fairness, too, I, maybe I should have known in mind, because my, my girlfriend plays pranks on me all the time, trying to scare me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so my wife, no. So <laughs> I park to get gas, leave my wife in the car, I go in the gas station, I come out, my wife's gone. And I'm like, what? that's weird. Oh, she must have gone inside, and we must have missed each other. She went to the bathroom, so I'm pumping gas, no wife. So now I go into the store, I said, you see blonde girl come in that and the person at the counter goes no haven't seen nope haven't seen anybody like that and i'm like are you kidding they're like no i go back out i'm like okay well oh you know what maybe she's on a phone call and i don't know why she'd be out in this wind because it was super windy but i'm like she must be 
Then I look in the car, her cell phone is sitting on the, on the console. <laughs> so now I have this out of body experience where I go, <laughs> was I just writing a freaking abduction, uh, uh, you know, pickup, right. you know, cause now right. I'm going, now I'm going, <laughs> did a pickup truck come in? So I'm literally thinking yeah. she was, so I'm looking around the car. There's nowhere to go. We're in yeah. the middle of the fucking desert. Right. So my heart is beating out of my chest. I run back in. Okay, did you happen to see, uh, you know, a big truck come through? I come back out, she just hides a suitcase in the back seat and jumps up and goes, surprise, just kidding. Oh, I I did not speak to her the whole way home. I was like, I thought, she goes, you write horror movies. I thought you'd think it was funny. I'm like, no, no, that's, no, that's opposite, it. <laughs> right? I know. I'm like, that's my brain is way too susceptible mm-hmm. To go down these fucking paths, and yeah. I thought you were fi- so for like five minutes, which at the time it felt like an hour. Oh, but I mean, oh yeah, my gosh, you're feeling every moment during that five yeah, minutes. It was rem- scary. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, sheesh. I hope the follow up prank to that or getting your revenge on her was it was epic. You know, it's funny. I don't think you got her. I back. still haven't got her back. I still oh. owe her, and I to- <laughs> and I've threatened it to this day. Oh, it's gonna be a a doozy it's gonna be a doozy but i still haven't done because i've got a it's got to be a good one i've, I've been I, I pulled the i got my girlfriend back i i got her back a couple times actually last night i was out at the beach and um there were like these weird towels everywhere like randomly on walkways and i do the move where i we walk close to it and i go ah! like you know why because we go she's like what is that and then I go, I don't know. And I go, ah! you know, I do one of those. It scared the shit out of her. She like punched me and stuff. I was like, all right, I got you. Oh my I got gosh. you. It's the, yeah. it's the, uh, it is fun pranking with, you know, scaring people, but. Well, it's funny. We, yeah, Megan gets me a lot and then I get her a lot. I remember one time I got her because she, she and her sister were leaving at night to go to the store for something. And I remember I forgot to tell her something. So I ran out there and they weren't paying attention and the porch light wasn't on. So they didn't see me come out of the shadows. I remember I knocked on the window, freaked her out, baked out. Like she turned and had like <laughs> fear in her eyes, like almost on the like the instant brink of crying. And I, I looked at her like, "What?" And she goes, "Why did you knock on that window? Why did you do that?" And I was like, "I was already getting suspicious because I think someone's out here." Like I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, and then she'll she'll jump out of like out of the the corner of a room or something, or like uh, like sometimes she'll be like, "I'll be." Coming out of the shower at night, she like jump around the corner at me or something. It, it she she tries a lot of jump scares a lot. <laughs> yeah, my my girlfriend's people like that too. Oh, I, I, that's I feel great. you. Man. I feel you. Well, that's what fucked me up so bad is that yeah, I, I mean, yeah. my wife never. She never does, and then the one never. she does is like and the one she does was ingenious. Well, it was like, masterful. Well, she she picked and, the moment I yeah. had that plot line in my head yeah. and then just like who how would i think to look under our luggage yeah in the back so yeah Jeez. it was it was evil all right um i guess one more uh final questions because i know we're going over an hour here but we're having fun so that's what happens when you lose track of time yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I told me we talked a lot yeah. <laughs> uh what is uh you guys future projects or at least anyone that you can talk about um we are nothing we can talk about yet, but we are, we have been writing like crazy. We are, we're busting at the seams. We're so excited about the new stuff. Um, we're, we're in some meetings over the next couple of weeks and 
Uh, we've just gotten a brand new one out to some people. We've got a couple of new ones yeah. and we, uh, you know, we just, we really hunkered down throughout the, the whole pandemic period and just wrote, 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 uh, as much as we could. And, um, and so we've, yeah, we're really excited. We've got, uh, two new ones that we've completed and then we've got a third one we're complete we're completing as well we, we're and we're really all, all of them with uh, uh lots of violence so don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're big fans of uh you know what we kind of call it is it's like exploitation with a heart you know yeah. like we really love um kind of a, a human heartbeat behind it we're, we're suckers for that sort of spielberg era you know 80s spielberg era but then you know, we love uh, B cinema, cult cinema, exploitation and and uh, horror and all of that. So we try to mix those flavorings in and and uh, and we love the the crime genre, too. So we're we kind of do this weird hybrid where actually the crime thriller is sort of the thread that is yeah, in everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got when we have our new stuff to announce, we will be happy to to. Uh, come back Isaac and share it with you. Awesome. Um, and also what are like future projects that you guys would like to do? You know, mm. one, one I would, you know, one I've been chomping at the bit to do, but like I'll, it's, it's way, you know, too unrealistic, but I, I kind of dream about it every once in a while. I was doing a resident evil film, um, but doing it like very true to the first one, like haunted mansion uh, kind of vibe, like a very plotting, creepy, fuck it let's throw some puzzles in there um kind of a thing and uh but yeah because i i do feel like the resident evil movies they deserve better than they've been given the i mean the action movies are one thing i mean they're they're action movies but i feel like at the you know at the heart of the resident evil franchise is really horror and i just don't think it's it's ever really delivered the horror yet even the tv show that just came out no disrespect to those guys that are g- gals that uh, made it, but just not my thing. Maybe you, but I'll disrespect that. Was, that sucked. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was. I didn't want to offend you. Uh, yeah, it was awful. As no, soon as no, I no. saw that that freaking cowboy, bro, I was like, I'm out. I'm, I, I'm not even gonna finish this episode. I was like, this is supposed to be scary or cool. It's neither scary nor cool, nor you know. I was like, ugh. But yeah, and I didn't care so much about the race swap with Wesker, but something I didn't realize until after it was done is that yeah. what white Wesker or sorry, Wesker is just a white version of Blade. Yes. Yeah, that is kind of funny, right? <laughs> yeah. Wesker just it was an appropriation of like <laughs> of, of a Wesley Snipes character. Like I didn't realize that until after it was like flipped like that guy looks a lot like yeah. Blade. Wait, Wesker looks like Blade. He's a white version of Blade. Okay, now that all makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, to be honest, bro, I didn't even get far enough to realize that that's who Wesker was in the show because I dipped out. I literally dipped out after the caterpillar, and I think that was like after like the first. That was like the opening of the show. I was like, no, dude, I got better <laughs> things to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just it's it. Video games and movies have had the most horrible relationship for the longest time, and then know. shows. Someone's got to get it right, you know. Silent Hill one was okay. I thought that was that was pretty good. As far as I mean, why is why is uh, Pyramid Head in there? Who knows? But um, it was still a, a decent. As far as as far as video game adaptations go, I think it was it was decent. 
but I was I was talking to Megan about this is that that movies and and video games should not be working together. Shows in video yeah. games should be because you're trying to condense it 16, 17 hours mm. of video gameplay into two yeah. hours. It's yeah. it's like a sense of a book. Yeah, if you take a concept it's from like it novels, and do it, yeah. but there's so many fans to the game that if you try to do the movie, you're just gonna piss off a lot of people. So turning into a show makes more sense. That's why I'm excited for the last of a show. Because The Last of Us has oh, been bro. my favorite video game I'm, of all time. So mine uh, too, bro. That's Jeff, that's man. Bro. Jeff's obsessed. obsessed you know what I was before I came here today? I was playing The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just what I do. And I love one and two, bro. Like equally for different reasons. I, I I'm obsessed. But yeah, I I can't wait for the TV show to come out. And I think like especially for a game like that, you know what I mean? Like you need to unpack all of that but yeah you know i, I will we don't have any plans to make a video game movie ever but <laughs> i'd love to but every once in a while i'll be like i'll just see something uh, you know in my head of like oh you could do that with the resident evil movie and make it make it good george george a. romero had a draft of uh the first resident evil movie that they never ended up using i think they're making a documentary on it uh or they just finished it and are releasing it so that would be interesting to watch but I think I, you know, other than the dream of getting to to you know do what we did with the Retaliators and get our you know next films made and and I mean that really is kind of the ultimate dream in a lot of ways. What we just got to do and, yeah. and continue to do that, but uh, because that's not a very you know creative answer, I would say really like I think a dream would be to get to add a contribution to a universe that's like a classic universe that mm, you know that yeah. i i grew up with so i mean getting a shot at like whether it was a nightmare on elm street or you know um you know or like a saw or uh you know oh, just an alien you know <laughs> just 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 some you know a lord knows that those, those... Hey, bro, bro, we will make a good terminator I, okay <laughs> we're gonna do it uh, you know, a lot of the, these things have been mined to death, but it would just be beyond a thrill to get to go, you know, sort yeah. of go, okay, we get a shot at, you know, dipping into that universe. So whether it was, you know, Michael Myers or, uh, you know, yeah. Jason Voorhees or whatever, but that would kind of, I think that would be uh, John Connor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, I do appreciate you guys coming on, uh, or at least contacting me to talk about this because I feel uh just as privileged uh to interview you guys and talk to you stuff like that um but where i guess uh my question is where can uh everybody find the film and where everybody can find you guys so right now uh the film we are in theaters it's select theaters throughout the country and kind of you know it's a limited slow release so as we do well in certain theaters they're adding more dates and and uh more theaters and things like that so the easiest way to see if it's near you is just to go to retaliatorsmovie.com and uh it, it will be whatever area you're in all the local theaters will will pop up uh right it's away retaliatorsmovie.com yeah yeah know the uh retaliatorsmovie.com and then um we well, can't officially make the announcement yet, but there will be an announcement soon uh, with, uh, when we go to uh, VOD and then when we go to streaming, like that's all coming soon. Um, 
And then uh, as far as finding the Gear Brothers, uh, we're on Instagram at the underscore gear underscore brothers. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll just add, you know, you, I would definitely recommend checking this movie out in the theaters because it's just, there's something, it is one of those movies, even when you see it on VOD or streaming, eventually you're going to go, damn, I wish I saw that in theaters. You know what I mean? Like, that's how Avatar was for me. And, you know, I, I think it is one of those films, probably because of the, the, the soundtrack, too. It just sounds cooler, like, in a theater. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it when it I guess it comes around when the theater is close to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but like I said before, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, uh look forward to hopefully doing future interviews with you guys about future projects and movies. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. And just so you know, I've had some side phenomena in my life and I'm going UFO hunting soon. So I'd be down to come. We'd, we'd be down to come back and talk a little bit of that, too. Definitely. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be real cool. Um, <laughs> but. As always, uh, guys, you can catch Hidden the Shadows podcast uh, on Instagram, Hidden in the Podcast 2 on TikTok, Hidden the Shot 6 on Twitter, or links to all social media. And always listen to it at hiddenshadowspodcast.com. Um, but as always, we'll catch your weirdos in the next one.